Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Reunited and it feels so good. Uh, joined by uh, old school crew. It's so great to have G. A. Wiley back, Armani Buckets, Brandon Deutsch. Uh, G. A. How are you doing, my friend? You know, I I couldn't have said it better myself. Reunited and it feels so good. So uh, yeah, doing doing great. I wish the weather was better, but other than that, you know, uh, this is you know we live in lovely Southern California. If it's going to be cloudy every so often, you can't really complain, right? So so yeah. super happy. Stoked to be around you guys. How's everybody doing this week? Gee, hey, you wish the weather was better. Apparently, we're getting a hurricane on <laughs> Sunday, Monday. So, <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I, I heard about that. I heard about that. I was just like, I, I'm, I'm hoping it goes over us. But yeah, it's crazy. Scary yeah. times. Crazy stuff. Um, yeah, no, it's still it's be- it's always beautiful in California, wherever you are. So. <laughs> Or Vegas, always be beautiful in Vegas and Hawaii. Yeah, see, right? I mean, that, 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 that was a real big reason why we chose that Sporting Tribune location, Southern California, Las Vegas, Hawaii. It's always, uh, you know, beautiful weather-wise. Um, guys, let's, uh, you know, let's uh, talk about this. As we go into the second week, or at least uh, when, when all the teams are playing in the preseason, and I know it's preseason football, but my goodness, there's, again, we're kind of still in that period where there's not a ton happening in the world of sports um, uh, when I say it's a big preseason game, it's significant for Los Angeles. You got the Raiders coming in from Las Vegas. They're actually in town already this week, practicing with the Rams in Thousand Oaks. So it's the Raiders and the Rams. Now, the significance there is that those were the two teams, obviously, that left us back in 1995. Um, if all things worked out the way that they probably should have, both of those teams would have come back and it would have been the Chargers that that would have found a way to make things happen in San Diego, or perhaps the Chargers would have been the team in Las Vegas. But the Raiders are coming back here, and it's always tough, despite the fact that the 49er fans took over Allegiant Stadium last weekend, last Sunday. Um, There's a ton of Raider fans here, and the unfortunate thing is when they do play the Rams or they do play the Chargers in Los Angeles, uh, it is a lot of silver and black. So, Brandon, I'm going to start with you there. Uh, You know, just as someone who, you know, grew up in Los Angeles, you read Darmon, grew up in Los Angeles with no pro football team. So you, um, you know, um, Harmon obviously lived in Chicago, so he's a Bears fan, and Brandon, you're a San Francisco uh, fan. Um, your thoughts on these two teams? Again, I, I think it's tough for the Rams, despite winning the Super Bowl, they are uh, still not kind of viewed as perhaps as the most popular team here. 
Yeah, it's kind of skewed in Los Angeles. I mean, Los Angeles is a is a is a basketball town first and foremost. It's a Laker town, you know, like in, in Dodger town. Like that, yeah. that, those are the top two teams, and I think that won't change. And then I think it goes USC football before it goes anything else, you know. So I look, I like the Rams won a title. There's a lot of Rams fans in LA still that stayed Rams fans um, that became Rams fans again when they came back. And then there's other people like my dad when the Rams left, you know, he ended up going to Stanford, becoming a 49ers fan. And it's become a legacy thing. Like, you know, I'm a 49er fan. My brother is now my brother loves and lives in the Bay Area. But so it's different. But, you know, you can't just go back on your team just because the Rams came back. And the same thing is with the Raiders. There's so many Raider fans in Los Angeles as well. Um, and then the Chargers are a whole different story. We won't get into that, you know, because that's mostly San Diego fans, similar to like Angel fans, like in Orange County and yeah. you know, Mission Viejo and those areas. A lot of Charger fans are from, you know, San Diego, but Rams fans are skewed. And it's weird because that dominance for that one year, you would think it would have you know, brought more fans into into it. But I just see Los Angeles' fandom when it comes to football still as skewed as ever, you know. Yeah. I'm sorry, you guys. I just have a question for, like, your generation because there's not a lot of they, – they say that the viewership for, you know, your age block um, has gone down in comparison to, like, our age group where we grew up with just – some of us grew up with just four networks, right? Like – the big, the big four, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. And like, those are the only four that we grew up with when we were trying to watch football or any kind of sport. So like the Rams were shoved in our face. The Lakers were always there. Like we, we always had this kind of loyalty Raiders as well. You know, like uh, everybody had this loyalty. I kind of, I'm wondering um, just as far as the, loyalty is concerned like because there are Raider fans that are loyal to a fault would you ever you know like at the end of the day I don't think Brandon would ever do this but Armand would you ever um like maybe shift over and be like you know what if the Bears aren't doing well um then maybe you would shift over and root for the Rams I don't think that would ever happen (laughs) although you know with me I do get very frustrated at the incompetence of my teams with with the Bears the Bulls uh, primarily those two with their incompetence, but it it wouldn't cause me to to shift. I think what you see with the younger generation, starting with honestly with guys like in in basketball with LeBron and Steph and all these guys, is you know rooting for players instead of rooting for teams. But it's hard to do that in football unless it's like a superstar quarterback like a Mahomes. Um, we see that from time to time. People become all of a sudden become Chiefs fans or become maybe Buffalo Bills fans, maybe now Cincinnati Bengals fans. And basketball, the Warriors, for the longest time, was so yeah. annoying, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so weird. Like, my dad began to root for the Warriors, and he's like, oh, they're, oh, no. they're, they're, in, they're in California. They have similar colors to the Lakers. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a Northern California team. You're a Lakers fan. And, you know, he just loved watching the Splash Brothers, Steph and Clay, And so... Uh, yeah, it's 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 very interesting. You know the 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 um 
the mistake, I guess, that the Chargers made, and listen, this, this is going to take time. The one thing that I always told people, and nobody's patient, and I get that, is that I said when you lose a team for a generation, that was, which is about 21 years, it's going to take a generation to get new fans. It really is. Like uh, Unless you go into a market that's never had a team and they're just very appreciative, um, it's going to take that long to develop a new fan base. And so what what the Chargers uh, thought was, listen, while the Raiders moved to Oakland and while the Rams moved to St. Louis, we were the one constant for 50 plus years. We were the only team in Southern California. What they failed to realize is that San Diego is is, yes, it's in Southern California, but it's not Los Angeles. And so, you know, it, it would be effectively like moving the Padres to Los Angeles and saying, well, we're not that far away, and they're not. You know, it, it's a two-hour drive. You can take the train. But if you're a San Diego Chargers fan, that, that, that doesn't move the needle in Los Angeles. That being said, there's a new generation of Chargers fans being born and being grown up, and they have Justin Herbert jerseys, and they they will have a fan base here. It's going to take time, though. Yeah, and something I'll add about that is I feel like the Chargers, and I've said this, so it's an unpopular opinion, but following the Super Bowl, and Grant has severely disagreed with me, though now I think he's more in agreement. <laughs> the Chargers have more of a fun team. Um, they're just more fun to watch. They're more, they have better younger players, better players in general. The Rams won their Super Bowl. That was great for LA. They had an excellent team that year. But I just think like the Chargers dominance um, over the Rams is going to because of Justin Herbert. I mean, you look at a young superstar quarterback and why, you know, the Bears are in good hands is because they have Justin Fields. And by the way, the first article I ever wrote for my sub stack a few years ago, I think it was before that draft. I said the Niners will win three Super Bowls (laughs) over the next decade if they draft Justin Fields with the second overall pick. And they didn't. They or the third overall pick. They drafted Trey Lance, obviously, and we've seen how that goes. Even though I wanted to believe in him and was high on him, he's just not that good at football. Um, But look, the Chargers have just. I've seen it too with these younger kids. Um, You know, even at the Century City Mall, Arash, they had a Chargers draft party, and there's a a lot yeah. of kids, you know, in the areas of Los Angeles that really love Justin Herbert that are Chargers fans. And I don't see that as much as with Rams fans. I just feel like that's not as fun of a team to root for. If I'm growing up, I want the superstar young quarterback who's going to be great my, all, all of my childhood, right? I want the, you know, even though they don't have a Super Bowl, I want that type of continued success, which is what happened to a lot of kids over the past 15 years with the Dodgers, right? Like, even though they have one World Series, Every year they're good, right? You can't say the same thing about the Rams who really gave everything up for that one year. They got it done, but I don't know when the Rams will ever be good again, you know, because they're really deep in water now. So, but you know, so the, what, what happens is sometimes we knock teams for having cheap tickets, right? Like, like, like we'll look at like on, uh, on StubHub or whatever and say, Oh, you know, uh, the, the cheapest ticket to the Clippers game tonight is like 10 bucks. And we joke about that. The fact of the matter is though, if you're a, casual fan if you're a non-fan if you're just looking to have a good time i mean that's the ticket that you're going to buy you're not going to buy uh you're not going to go to a game when the cheapest ticket is 200 dollars. like that's what i always said when san francisco comes to town and the cheapest ticket is i don't know brandon you've done the homework on this probably you know is, is let's just say 250 dollars 
you're not going to get casual fans to pay that. However, you're going to get the hardcore San Francisco fan who's been a fan since Joe Montana and Steve Young and Jerry Rice. And like, this is your, this is your team. So they get priced out. But, but, but the good thing for the Chargers as they are in this state of developing a fan base, it helps you when you can say, Hey, like, come to the game. You know, tickets are 25 bucks. I'm not saying that's the price, but the tickets are cheaper. Um, and we've talked about this with the Clippers. I, listen, it's it's it, it's so much harder for the Clippers against the Lakers just because of the history of that franchise. When you talk about, you know, Jerry West, Will Chamberlain, Magic, Kareem, Kobe, Shaq, Powell, you go down the list, Le- LeBron and AD and the championships. Um, the, the the thing that the Clippers have to do is the, the a win, but you know it it helps them to have one title. It's definitely going to help them to have their own home. But the Chargers, I think the Rams are more within reach, despite the fact that since they've come back to Los Angeles, the Rams have gone to two Super Bowl and they've won one. They're, they're, they're still within reach. It's not like the Rams or the Lakers and the Chargers or the Clippers. I think they're a little bit clo- closer than that. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. But our Ronnie Buckets, I mean, if, if you're a casual fan, uh, you know, because, you know, where, where the Clippers have made hay is, is saying, okay, for example, like Bill Simmons, like I'm a Celtics fan, but, you know, in terms of like my Los Angeles fandom, I'm going to root for the Clippers, you know, because like obviously he hates the Lakers, but, you know, could the Chargers kind of become that team? Here's the thing. Most people have a pro football team. So the reason why it's not as hard for a a new hockey team to get a fan base or a new soccer team to gain a fan fan base when you look at the success of those teams in Los Angeles and Las Vegas is that okay you maybe you weren't a, a hockey fan but the Vegas Golden Knights come to Vegas and now like that that's your team because you didn't have a team before. Generally speaking, pro football with it being the most popular sport in this country you grew up with having a team, so it's very hard at 20-plus years old uh, to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop cheering for this team. Could they become the second team, though? If you're a, if you're a Chicago Bears fan like yourself and you're not going to go to Chicago too often, could they become your n- number two team? I think that's very possible, but what does that really mean if they're your number two team? Are you willing to invest money in your number two team? Are you willing to go to your number two team's games? For me, unless that number two team has a transcendent player, which, you know, Justin Herbert is, um, I would not go. But, you know, in the Chargers case, they should be able to attract fans of that caliber. But the thing is, if your number one team is good and competitive – Again, I'm more inclined to just be locked in on my actual team rather than, you know, last year, jokingly or not, I I was really high on the Sacramento Kings. I really enjoyed watching them. If the Bulls were good and competent and, you know, relevant, it would have been a lot less of that from me because I would have been more focused on my team. But if your team is not doing good in that moment, I think, yeah, a team like the Chargers can gain some of that momentum. I had a question for you, though, Arash. Let's have a crystal ball here. And let's say seven to ten years down the line, let's say the Chargers still have a situation where their home games are just packed with opposing teams' fans. How do you think that's going to play out if this is still going on, let's say, seven years from now? Here's the thing. You know, what, what 
gets um, confused in this because, you know, when, when those type of things happen, people jump the gun. They say they should move back to San Diego. Where to? They demolished Qualcomm. The new stadium that they built for San Diego State is a um, small college facility that seats maybe 35,000 people. It's not a pro football stadium. There's nowhere for them to go. Teams don't relocate because of, of how the fan turnout is. The fact of the matter is, and a lot of fans in San Diego want to push back on this, and I get it. Listen, at the high watermark of the franchise, when they were going 13-3 and and going to the championship game, there was a ton of Charger fans there. Towards the end, and uh, this happened a lot during the course of their time there, and again, that, that that's because San Diego is such a beautiful place that if, if your team is playing there, you want to go there. The opposing fans took over the stands when the Chargers were in San Diego, too. When it was the Chiefs, when it was the Broncos, when it was the Packers, when it was the Cowboys, when it was the Raiders. Uh, a lot of opposing fans happened. Uh, they, they showed up in droves. Um, so listen, if, if we go seven years down the line, which, by the way, is still within that 20-year period where I'm telling you it's going to take time for them to grow. Nothing's going to happen. The, the bottom line for the uh, Chargers is you want butts and seats. And yes, it's not great if it's sold out and more than half the crowd is rooting for the opponent. That being said, like, that's just life. I, I, I don't know how to explain it to people like any other way. You're, you're not going to like overnight get, you know, 70,000 Charger fans there. And here's the thing. There's more than that many Charger fans. However, if I bought Chargers season tickets and I could basically make up the cost of my entire season tickets by selling tickets to the, let's just say the Chiefs game, because obviously that's a very popular game, uh, or uh, Chiefs and Broncos games, you you do that. And people can say you're not a real fan. Listen, I, I, I don't agree with that. So um, uh, to, 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 to answer your question, nothing's going to happen. Why, do, you, do you think something... Should happen because again, like I think that's what people think. People think it's very simple for teams to move. At this point in time, the cheapest stadium you're going to get built is at least two billion dollars. That's just you're just not going to do that. It is so hard, by the way. If you want public money, and most of these uh, these teams want pub public funds in the state of California, for example, you're not going to get like anything passed to get you any public funds. Quick question for all, and this is for everybody. Um, do you think that the Chargers will ever get into a Balmer situation where they finally will get a new owner and then they will switch over and get a new stadium? Yeah, I mean, I'm so, not saying no. anytime soon. I'm saying that down the line. It's a great question because I think a lot of Charger fans would like to see that. Uh, you know, Dean Spanos, the Spanos family has had that team for, for quite some time. There's a lot of people in San Diego that are hoping that uh, Joe Sai. Joe Sai, he's the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, he, he lives in San Diego or San Diego is a home of his. And, uh, for example, if someone like Joe Sai bought the team and he were to basically say, listen, I can privately fund a $2 billion stadium in San Diego. Um, and he basically told the league, Hey, listen, like, like, like what's happening here is not a good look. Let's bring them back. That's a possibility. You would have to have a Balmer type or a Joe site, Joe side type to basically say, like, I don't need any public money. You could really almost count those kind of people though on one hand, the, the, the hardcore 
multi-multi-billionaire sports uh, fan that says, I'm going to buy the team for... Because here's the thing. It's a two-part transaction at this point. You're going to say, okay, I'm going to buy the Chargers for, let's just say, $3 billion, and I'm going to spend another 2 to $3 billion to build a new stadium. I mean, that's a $6 billion commitment. I mean, you would have to be Steve Ballmer. You would have to be Joe Sai. You would have to be someone like that and and something to add SoFi is not entirely the Rams, right like you just mentioned oh, yeah. there's a closer gap than people think when i think of SoFi stadium i want to go there and see a superstar quarterback no offense to matt stafford he's getting older but justin herbert's that guy right so i think it can be shared right now it's not like the lakers at their at you know formerly staple centered in, in crypto that's the lakers place SoFi doesn't really as good as the rams are they want a super bowl there the Chargers still are within striking distance. It's still their home as well. Yeah, I mean, they... Wait, they really, that, it's yeah. not a Swifty. It's not a Swifty. You're not going to want to go oh, to perhaps, the perhaps. They're going to put the banner up like they did at Crypto.com exactly. Arena. Yeah, that's, yeah I mean, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, you know, because they, they really did a good job like they did with Met, with MetLife in, in New York. And a guy, by the way, MetLife is not a fantastic stadium. But in terms of it's very turnkey cookie cutter like you could have like this weekend for example you're going to have the rams play on saturday and the chargers play on sunday and you're not going to know that the rams played there on saturday when the chargers are there they're going to chain up this change the sign and change the field change the change the team store change all that so uh yeah to your point brandon it's not like they're playing at Giant Stadium, you know, like all those years where the Jets played at Giant Stadium, it just felt weird. Um, all right, let's leave it there for now. We're talking a lot about the Chargers, so why not bring in our guy, the newest member of the team, Fredo Cervantes. Uh, he'll come on and talk about the Chargers, the Sparks, and so much more when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Welcome back to the Rush Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now. And joining us, the newest members. It's been a long time coming. My main man, Fredo Cervantes. Myself, Fredo Cervantes. That's his, that's his catchphrase. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank <laughs> you, Raj. Thank you again for having me on here and having me part of the Sporting Tribune, which is going to be an amazing run. Yeah, just thrilled for all the cool stuff you'll be doing 
doing something with Alicia Del Valle, doing some stuff with the Sparks, doing some stuff with USC, as we've uh, talked about, you know, big season for the Trojans. Uh, yeah. You also know the Chargers very well. And we talked about the Chargers in the first segment, and I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, a very critical season for them. One of the best teams on paper, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, no question about that. I mean, how critical is this season for them? You know, when you talk about trying to win over the hearts and the minds of Los Angeles sports fans, the Rams are going to struggle this year. I mean, I think this is a moment in time where the Chargers can really, you know, be the team in Los Angeles, at least when you talk about the wins and losses and maybe going into the postseason. How big is this season for the Chargers? I mean, this is going to be a huge season for the Chargers, not just for the Chargers, but for Brandon Staley, because mm. we understand the way the season ended last year, you know, that devastating loss, you know, being up 28-0 in that game in, uh, in Jacksonville and letting that game get away from him. That, I thought at that moment, his job was done, but, you know, the Chargers really believe in him. Uh, Justin Herbert believes in Brandon Staley and Derwin James also. He is like the voice of the team, you know, even though Justin Herbert is the highest paid man on that team. But you still have other guys like Joey Bosa that has a very strong voice in the locker room. And, of course, a new addition that a lot of people are just kind of sleeping on a little bit on UCLA, um, Eric Kendricks. You know, mm -hmm. Eric Kendricks, what he was able to do for the past, uh, like, 10 seasons, he was over in Minnesota. He was a great defensive player, linebacker, that kind of handled the middle zone. And, you know, right now having Kenneth Murray and a guy like, you know, uh, Eric Kendricks in the middle right now for the Chargers is going to be a great defensive team right there. But the pressure is mainly, I believe, is going to be on Brandon Staley himself. He, he knows that this team believes in him. So by knowing that even the ownership, Dean Spanos believes in him and Tom Telesco believes in him, that pressure is on him to do something special this year. And me getting the chance to see what Justin Herbert has developed, you know, entering this new year and seeing what he's doing at training camp. I mean, he looks like a different guy. Um, a lot of people remember the type of guy he was. He's, you know, he's the tallest quarterback in the league right now at 6'6". Six, six. And, of course, that arm. Uh, but there were certain throws, uh, believe it or not. Uh, there were certain throws that just made me just kind of like wipe my eyes open a little bit and just realize, did he really just throw that ball in that little tight pocket where he only had it to? And, you know, having the additions of Quinton Johnson as well, that's someone else that's going to help Justin Herbert catch those extra deep balls because, you know, we understand the health of that team was not the best last season uh, with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams being out uh, throughout the season and now having a young guy that can really uh, help this team put it together this year. Um, it might be a very special year for the Chargers this year. When you saw um, how that Jacksonville Jaguars game ended, like you know, when when people said Staley was on the hot seat, I thought it was ridiculous. I, I got what they were saying, though. However, when they blew that big lead to uh, Jacksonville, and Fredo, I, I almost thought like that would have been worse than like either like getting blown out or not making it into the playoffs. When you're dealing with it, and by the way, I'm fascinated that the Chargers actually talk about chargering it up it's such a the clip the clue the clippers by the way like they would never say that although people say you know right. clipper clipper gotta clip it off but the chargers embrace that and say this is our past we need to get past it what were your thoughts following that jaguars game as you were sitting at home watching that game unfold did you think staley would survive a loss like that 
I honestly did not, especially that the speculation throughout the year, you kept hearing Sean Payton was waiting for the job. That's right. And knowing that Joe Lombardi was the current offensive coordinator at the time, no longer with the team, now with Sean Payton in Denver, kind of funny story there. Um, But you see that the pressure was on him at that moment, but seeing that they believe in him. I mean, the Brandon Staley, that that situation, I don't even know. I mean, you are rush, you know, you've covered the league longer than anybody else out there, but have you seen a <laughs> devastating shot like that? Like, have you no. seen something that where you're up 28 zero and you know, you fall behind and it, it comes down to the last kick of the game. Like if that kick would have maybe gone to a little bit to the left, uh, the Chargers would have been in the next round, but that was uh, one of the most devastating like, I mean, now that they're part of L.A., that can be one of the biggest uh, L.A. meltdowns, you can say. Yeah. yeah, Fredo, I wanted to ask about Kellen Moore, right? Because I was a really home run hire. Kellen Moore obviously did an excellent job in Dallas. I don't know why Dallas fired him. He wasn't the problem, but whatever. Mike uh, McCarthy was. <laughs> of, course, <laughs> of course, but Jerry will never admit that because yeah. he loves Mike McCarthy. They had that play, play date sleepover when he got hired. Um, but anyways, beside the point. Uh, do you think if the Chargers, because they do have a tough schedule, I do think they make the playoffs, but if they don't get to the next round, they don't get to the divisional round this year, do you think they could hire Kellen Moore as the head coach and just completely fire Brandon Staley? You know what? That's an interesting thing because when you look at the pressure that Brandon Staley was on, um, they did not really give him, they, I, I believe they did give him an extension, um, but you know, in, in any sport, you give someone an extension, you give someone a new contract, that doesn't really secure your job right there. It still lets you know that, yeah, they believe in you, but Kellen Moore was a very strong mind up in Dallas, um, and you know, you even said it, why would they let someone like that go? And of course, you know that Jerry Jones is, you know, he's a GM, he's the owner, he's like, he wears every hat for that team, and I feel that in order for Dallas to maybe have some success because they haven't really made it to an NFC championship game since like the nineties. So they really, they, they dropped the ball on allowing Callum Moore to walk over to the chargers and the chargers did an amazing move to bring him over. But is it, he's going to be going pretty deep. Of course, that's what he's known for. He's throwing the ball and, you know, Joe Lombardi over the last two seasons being under Brandon Staley, the offense was kind of like, you know, it was inconsistent throughout the year. You know, it, it always seemed like they didn't know whether to run the ball, even though Austin Eckler was just phenomenal over the last two seasons under Joe Lombardi. And I can just imagine how Austin Eckler will be under Kellen Moore and even Quentin Johnston and Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen. And, you know, even Joshua Palmer, there's a lot of guys on this team that will be making a lot of uh, making this offense look uh, terrific out there. From the uh, practices you've gone to during training camp, has there been anyone who stuck out to you? Again, we know the big names, but any surprises in camp so far? I mean, during camp right now, um, I I did enjoy seeing the speed of Darius, man. Uh, Mm -hmm. We got a chance to see the speed on his first opportunity he got in an NFL game. I mean, running an 81-yard touchdown and even, you know, talking to uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Stiffen, uh, Mm -hmm. the the special teams coordinator for the Chargers, he even talked about Darius' speed and his confidence level. And for any rookie to come into the league and have the confidence that, 
you can really compete out there with anybody else. And they mentioned they're going to be using that man uh, on the offensive end. They're going to be using them uh, uh, punt returns and kick returns as well. Uh, but Darius might be a little sleeper right there that people might see like, okay, this man right here is going to really, you know, pick up a few touchdowns um, because the Chargers have not really had a speedy guy like this. And every team needs someone like him. And I feel like he might be a very nice pickup and, Believe it or not, if something, let's say, you know, we, we saw what happened in Justin Herbert last season, you know, dealing with the rib injuries, but you couldn't really handle the ball to chase Daniel to kind of keep this team moving. That's why Herbert never really missed the game last year. But Max Duggan, that backup quarterback, he's going to be something special. I'm surprised the Chargers were actually looking into picking up a quarterback like him, someone who was just in the national championship game just yeah. a few months ago, and now is the backup here in Los Angeles. So that is a pretty good sleeper. So hopefully Herbert stays healthy because that contract is huge. Yeah. Um, but if something ever does happen, Max is right there sitting on the sideline as well. Fredo, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, um, the multiple TCU pickups yeah. that the Chargers have done are they're incredible i mean what great uh what great recruiting um i wanted to switch over to the los angeles sparks uh, a, a team that doesn't get enough credit obviously out in la yes. and i and i get it i get it but um uh slowly but surely right i mean especially since like in the very beginning uh the sparks came out winning right now that is not the case what do you think that they they are going to be playing the aces um a, a team that's just dominating i mean it, there's just no question <laughs> that the spark or that the aces are going to be um they are the favorite for the uh, WNBA championship what um what do you think that the sparks have to do in the future and this is an ongoing question i think with them um due to all the trades that they've done they've done so many um coaches etc they've done so many things to try and move forward and try to get back to that winning culture that they had initially um, in their primary seasons with Lisa Leslie. What do you think that they need to do in order to get back to that? I mean, right now, I think they're they're heading towards the right direction, especially with the hire of GM Karen Bryant. You know, once Karen Bryant with the experience that she has had throughout the league, uh, through, uh, throughout all sports, you know, bringing her leadership to this team was very huge. Even Neka Ogumike, the start of the team, mentioned during training camp, she's like, look, I've been around this team here for over 10 years. This year feels so different because from the top of the from the top of the front office to the bottom to the head coach and a lot of new players, she's like, it feels different. It feels like a real organization now. So I'm not sure what kind of message she was trying to send that, you know, the previous years and maybe did not feel like a real organization, even though, you know, they do, you know, the WNBA just deals with a lot of situations throughout the league, whether it's uh, pay um, and, you know, getting the getting these girls on these flights. I mean, they got to get these charter flights situated for the WNBA. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that players, you know, talk about every single day during practice, during press conferences are like, we, we're going to cut this short because, we got to go to sleep. We got to get rest. You're like, you know, we're, our traveling uh, is not the same, like even the college uh, for college players, even of course, you know, around professional sports. But I think Karen Bryan, the, the addition of Kirk Miller as well, Kirk bringing in, you know, some championship mindset, his defensive mindset, he brings in a lot of great offense, but the, the, the problem that the Sparks have had all season long this year has just been the health. I mean, the players getting hurt and hurt at one point, they only had seven players available. Wow. And it, it it was it was critical because they went through an eight game losing streak, which was the longest in Sparks franchise 
his history. So now, right now, at this current moment, they are playing their best basketball all season long. They are currently on a three-game winning streak. Um, they are going to be facing the Las Vegas Aces in Vegas this Saturday afternoon. It will be a primetime game at 12 o'clock on ABC. So I feel that the Sparks still have a little room to grow. Maybe not this season, but next season is something you got to look out for. But one thing you got to look out for before you look towards next season is Neka Ogumike's contract. She is going to be a free agent this season. Uh, she did sign a one-year contract a few months ago during the offseason. So I'm not sure if Neka will walk. I feel that she belongs in this city, belongs to this franchise. She's done a lot. Every single game this season, she's breaking some sort of record. Um, right now, she's on the verge of reaching 100 double-doubles in franchise history. So seeing her consistent play all season long, averaging 19 points, 9 rebounds a game, um, that is something spectacular as she's been doing, but the Sparks are only heading towards the right direction right now. Yeah, Fredo, I wanted to go back to the Chargers real quick um, mm -hmm. because right, I think a very good futures bet is Justin Herbert at plus 900 on other books. He's in the thousands, but on this book I'm looking at right now, plus 900 to win NFL MVP. Based on what you're seeing at practice, we know that He's poised probably for a 40 touchdown year um, because last season he was still really good dealing with rib injury. Uh, you know, Josh Palmer being his number one option for half the year. Obviously, Mike Williams was hurt. Uh, no, nothing against Josh Palmer. He's good. But I mean, you need Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer. And now they got Quinn and Johnston just in case Mike Williams or Keenan Allen gets hurt. What do you see? What do you envision um, for Justin Herbert this year? And is how how confident are you that he could come away with the MVP? I'm very confident. Of course, uh, the speculation around Herbert is that his arm is just, you know, unstoppable at times, especially with Kellen Moore. But I think the thing he's going to improve this year, and this is something that's been talked about throughout practices, is that his interception number is going to, he takes care of the ball so nice now, it seems like he's more under control in the pocket. Um, over the last season, even last season, even when he got hurt, you know, he was facing some very tough defenses throughout the season. And he always seemed to be on his toes. He he was never relaxed. And a lot of times as a quarterback, you got to be relaxed. You got to uh, maintain your focus in the pocket. And don't and when you have an offensive line that he has coming into this season, you know that he he's being he's buying at least two more seconds in the pocket. Those two seconds right there that he's buying right now is going to be very critical because that's going to get the opportunity to Quinton to, uh, to be running down the field. And as well for Mike Williams, who's going to be on the slot a little more. He's going to be playing inside. So that's going to be an interesting thing that Kellen Moore is doing right now with Mike Williams. So having two guys that are so huge out on the wide receiver end uh, that can really reach over anyone's head and pick up that ball. I think the ability of that is going to secure the ball more for Justin Herbert, which is interception number is going to come lower. And that's going to, um, of course, allow more yards being thrown. And at the end of the day, that should get him an MVP if he works hard enough to get that. Brando, have you been watching Team USA? I think everyone in Los Angeles is kind of seeing how, listen, I mean, obviously you're going to root for Team USA. But yes. the development of Austin Reeves, I, I think, you know, his development last year going into now this year, big contract, what he's going to gain from a not, not only being on the team, but playing under Steve Kerr and Eric Spolstra and Ty Lue and Mark Few. I, I, I really think we're, we're, we're going to see the continued development of him. Have you been watching him? 
Yeah, no, I definitely been watching and watching some clips of him during practice and, you know, when they're having those runs. And, I mean, he looks like to see a guy like Austin Reeves, who no one, you know, a non-drafted player, and to see the success he's been having over the past few seasons and now seeing him have some success in Team USA just lets you know that his his play style is just getting better. He looks so comfortable out there, mm-hmm. and that's very key because there there might be some players that might feel like, oh, okay, I don't, I may not belong here. But he looks like a guy that belongs there. And even Steve Kerr, of course, you know, the type of coach he is to see, to see with his own eyes, coaching him, helping him out. And, you know, he's giving him his flowers every single day. Even Greg Popovich, you know, they're talking great and highly of him. And, you know, of course, I can you've got to give a lot of credit to LeBron James. Uh, I'm pretty sure LeBron James has been uh, side by side in his ear, talking to him over the last few seasons and, you know, fixing up his mind and giving him the confidence that, that he deserves. But, I mean, I wish Team USA nothing but the best. Of course, there's a lot of tough teams out there. Um, but nothing tough for like Team USA right now, and especially uh, the other guy. Um, you got to give uh, Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson yeah. pretty good uh, for Team Team USA as well. That's another guy right there. But that's a good duo for Austin Reeves and the success that he will be having, especially with this new contract having now. Uh, Brandon, question for you. You know, with, with with Team USA, it's not always the top twelve players in the league, and not even. The top 12 players in the league may not want to play. What they what they try to do is find players to fit roles. Is there a scenario with the development of Austin Reeves and what he shows this post uh, during the, the World Cup? Could he make it on the actual Olympic team next year? Uh, you know, this sounds crazy to say, but I, I think it would be a, a failure if if Team USA does not put him on the Olympic team next year. I mean, he plays such complementary basketball. He can spot up and shoot threes. He can get to the rack and find guys. His playmaking's gotten better. He's very efficient from the floor. He doesn't really make bad basketball plays. Every once in a while, we'll see a turnover or, you know, a bad play. But most of the time, he's very crisp, and he plays complementary basketball and has shown that he can play with anybody, whether it's LeBron, Davis, now with Anthony Edwards, Jalen Brunson here at the FIBA World Cup. I know there's probably better players that you'd rather like, a, oh, let's put a, let's put all our stars together. But how'd that work out last time? They yeah. had Kevin Durant had to score 30 points for them to even win games against Spain. That's how bad Damian Lillard played. That's how bad <laughs> Tatum played it over that last Olympics, right? Like you need guys like Macal Bridges and Austin Reeves, not Josh Hart. That's probably a little too, no offense to Josh Hart. Macal Bridges... <laughs> Macau Bridges can be Josh Hart plus on the Olympic team, and so can Austin Reeves, you know, where they do everything and play complimentary basketball. Jihei, before we close out, I wanted to ask you something. Um, listen, they, they they really have a quite a collection of coaches here. It's Steve Kerr, it's Eric Spolstra, it's Ty Lu, and it's your main man, Gonzaga head coach, Mark Few. Your thoughts on that? <laughs> Good for Few for getting a, a, a shot. <laughs> like, I mean, what, you know, what do you want me to say? I like... Here's here's the thing. I don't hate Mark View. I like I respect the I respect the hustle. Like yeah. that man can recruit like no other. But he's still not winning in my lifetime. So the reason like, that, that I die tomorrow, you don't well yeah. No. So the reason <laughs> that I brought that up, folks, is that GK's favorite prediction since we've done this show together. And by the way, we're talking about a Gonzaga team that's made it to the championship game that consistently makes it to the Final Four. So she's not talking about a bad team. She is guaranteed that in her lifetime, Gonzaga will never win the national championship. So far, she's been right. So listen. She's probably right. Probably right. (laughs) But that one year, G.A., when I thought they were going to win it all, and they uh, did not, I said, G.A. is a genius when it comes to college basketball. 
All right, Fabredo, we're going to have you back on every week during the course of this uh, season. You're going to be helping us out with a lot of uh, teams and beats, and so uh, so thrilled to have you on board. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.